Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's What If. Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to exit the donut. Welcome to Watch Club, my name is Nate, and I'll be your guide through these alternate realities in this Watch Club for What If, Episode 3, titled, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes? If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode, you have to wonder, what if you did... Uh, and then came right back and joined us for some interdimensional conversation. Now, before we're all murdered for having really great hair, let me introduce you to all the lovely versions of hosts joining us today. First up, he's Justin. Hey, hey. Uh, But what if he was slightly louder and just a little more huggable? He'd be Kevin Hudson. It's an accurate description, sir. I'm gorgeous. (laughs) With amazing hair. Speaking of amazing hair, what if he was slightly shorter, much higher, and had longer curly hair? He'd be Darcy Hudson. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> awesome hair fits me to a T. There you go, right? I, I want to see you. Darcy, I need to see you walking through the rain about to pick up Mjolnir. I need to see it. <laughs> I guess so. I just don't like drying my hair. It takes forever. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, she I guess it would Thor matter. was such a diva. <laughs> I mean, I think it, it. Yeah, I can see it in that first uh, first Thor movie for sure, um, with his bleached eyebrows. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm stoked to talk about yet another episode of the show with you guys. But before we bear witness to the Hulk popping like a big green zit, let's get into the intro. Humanity so willing, so eager to face the impossible, yet blind to the bigger picture. Inside one week, three strange and separate stories unfolded. A genius battled with his demons inside and out, while the world met the monster hiding in the man, and a godly prince fell to earth. I am the Watcher, and where humans see chaos, I see the crucible that would transform this collection of individuals into a team of heroes. At least, that's how things played out in one universe. But in this one, all the Avengers died. Uh, all right, so let's let's get into our, our high-level thoughts on the episode itself. Justin, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I, I think this is, you know, the weirdest that it gets out of the three episodes. Uh, very much inspired by what we already know from the MCU as being mm-hmm. a specific week in the timeline that all of these events actually did happen. It's just a different take on that. But right. unlike the other two that are so rooted in like their cinematic stories... This had to be a little bit loose with its references across multiple movies uh, to really tie in how it's like a different take on on the MCU. Um, and I think it did it like in a really fun way, like I, as like yeah. a murder mystery. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I thought this was probably the most daring of the what ifs that we've gotten so far. You know, mm. once you realize, oh, wait, they're all going to get pegged off here. You go, wow, they're really they're really going for it here, really going for the jugular. And I really enjoyed that. I just thought they they really re- crammed a lot into the episode in yeah. terms of actions and stuff. And I thought it was a great mystery and a great whodunit, but it almost felt like it was a bit of a rush to the finish line. So I would have almost liked two parts for this one. Mm. Okay. Okay. Darcy. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, definitely my favorite episode of the three so far. I, I think I like it so much because unlike the other stories, like Justin was saying, where they're very grounded in not only like having to call back to those movies, but the stories of the characters didn't really change much. Like they still like kid gets picked up on earth and goes to space and goes on an adventure. And then, you know, someone becomes a super soldier in the war. Like those are things we already know. I think that's why I like this one is because it was so out there and so unique. It's mm-hmm. like, it really stood out. I I watched it twice and enjoyed it both times just as much. Like it was such a good mystery. Like we're saying, I think it was a really unique way to explore these characters in a different universe. Oh, for sure. And I think it was definitely so much darker than our first two episodes. They, they still managed to keep it light and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that as we go through. But um, yeah, the pacing was very quick. Kevin, to your point, I, I thought it would maybe was a little too quick for my liking, and I, I like the idea that you mentioned that. Th- listen, they did a good job of giving the right information they needed to tell the story. I just think we could have spent a little bit more time with some of the characters. And so the fact that they structured on, you know, Fury's big week and this well-known moment in time, um, I think it was interesting because it was, it was not necessarily a shift in character, like you're saying, Darcy. It was a shift in a moment. Yes. Uh, and so for me, I'm I kind of prefer the the latter I kind of prefer the the opposite I kind of prefer seeing the characters dramatically change uh, and so for this instance uh, it wasn't it didn't it didn't quite jive for me as much oh see that was what I thought was the best part of this was uh, you know it took what happened in the first episode there where you know a small change of events puts Peggy uh, with the serum instead of Steve but like this one affects literally the whole world with one sure. small change in details and by the end of it, it didn't even really matter what that detail was. It actually wasn't all that you know, compelling or even rational. I think it was so amazing to see one small little detail just butterfly affected everything to such a huge extent. Butterfly, interesting choice of words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The fact that it was a unique story and like you knew, we already know all those characters and where they were coming from. I feel like they easily gloss over that part because that's not what we care about it's what comes after that was the big thing and again the week happened so quickly if you look at Nick Fury's appearances in the in the MCU to begin with we get him what five minutes at a time at most in these end credit scenes assembling this team so it, it felt it fit that same like narrative and, and that we're getting glimpses into these moments and how he's reacting and then thinking on the ball I thought it was very great pacing and it fit really well for this episode that also ends with a kind of a cliffhanger. And I feel like that's what they were trying to build towards less. So the actual, you know, who done it itself. Sure. Yeah. That that's exactly it. Darcy. I was on that same, same level. Like this is almost part two to Nick Fury's story from Captain Marvel. Uh, this is, this is his character story and, and a what if on, on how he turns out, you know, obviously with the ending too, you could, you could really tie that in. He was the character of focus in this story, but the moment it, that it impacts and, and it serves for these characters moving forward, like, and what the st- state of the world was uh, after those events, uh, that's, that's pretty interesting, right? Like that's a moment as you guys have described, like it, it really does staple that in there. Well, we'll get to all those moments and more, but before we do, let's start with some maybe a question about uh, kind of the you know we were introduced to a an MCU uh, character who's not really a villain in in our universe, um, and so I wanted to know you know what did you think of the villain in this murder spree? Uh, I'm going to jump in right now and say that Yellow Jacket is uh, Hank Pym from the comics. He, the the fact that they throw away the line in Ant Man about how shrinking down to a certain like entering the quantum realm with an unprotected helmet will affect your mind and how he had to hang up the suit because it had affected his mind too much. I think the loss of his daughter is what catapults him 
into you know putting the suit back on and then degrading his mental state even further so that is something straight from the comics where he loses his mind and becomes a villain so Mm. i was all for that and seeing that come to fruition and more true to the comics than the yellow jacket we got in the first ant-man i was stoked like as as to to all hell basically i was like freaking out in my seat basically see nothing gets me more riled up when talking about the MCU then, well, in the comics, and only because that's, obviously that's its inspiration, but this is where five more minutes, two more minutes in this episode, where they could have somehow, like, you just broke it down in 30 seconds why Hank Pym was bad, like why the loss of his daughter changed his character so drastically that you justified the character's choices in that episode for me. Where the Why couldn't the episode have done that? What if we see that in season two? What if we see that in season two? If you know it's I mean? a prequel like, as opposed to a sequel, that'd be yeah, interesting. Exactly, right? so or, like my, or, I mean, what if we start to see it in Quantumania? Sure, sure but that, yeah. doesn't ex- that doesn't help me right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, no. that, Kevin, I completely agree with you on that. That was one of my big gripes with the episode was the aspect of, like, cool to see him in this state. Really awesome. And I understood where they were coming from. And, and Darcy, I completely, without reading any of the comics or having any of that knowledge prior to you just mentioning it, mm-hmm. I knew it was from, like, I, I could feel it was from the comics. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's a comic thing. Yeah, down but, to the but, costume. Comic accurate yeah. costume. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But it, that just, it didn't hit for me. And, and I don't and think it's going to hit for... Hair and beard. Right, and I, I don't think I don't think the the hobo hair and beard are going to hit for a lot of the audience that are are jumping into this uh, this this series. I think this episode goes to show even more than the last ones is that like they are doing this for all, like the people who n- watch all the movies multiple times and know the story because again I was able to pick up on that mental degradation thing just because the throwaway lines they mentioned and the other things building up how it affects your mind on a, on a different level and make you go crazy and we saw the original Yellow Jacket in the MCU, Corey Stoll's character, completely succumbed to that. And I think mm-hmm. I like that, again, was just, we saw that happen to Hank Pym because he didn't hang up the suit. So to me, it was all justifiable. As soon as we, we got that reveal, I'm like, I understand why, or at least right. why he is this way. Can I ask a question just because we do have Marvel Comics expert Darcy Hudson with us uh, on this series? Um why doesn't that happen then to to our Ant-Man? Well, they've explained that uh, the proper helmet does protect, you know, the brainwaves and stuff like that. And we think you got to think that he's refined the technology since the 80s or whatever when he started doing this stuff. Right. So the leap in technology will have you know, protected his helmet more. And the fact that we have now have Janet Van Dyne coming into play, I feel like if there was a problem, she can easily address it now. I think it was interesting that they made, they, that they rooted... Hank Pym's character as, as a villain and driven like driven mad as as Darcy said like I think that 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 was intentional as maybe another character that we were supposed to associate but I I do feel like yeah there was questions that I still had about how he got to where he got but I feel like that could be a part two right because everything that we've seen in these first three episodes there could be yeah, more it's true it's like now you start to see that what else could they do maybe it's a whole new series what else um (laughs) (laughs) but uh but no i mean i I would love that and i would love to see and i think the fact that they left his character alive and didn't actually kill him off really does speak to that justin of the idea of like we could explore more from this uh this more comic accurate hank pym um now i want to know uh i know this is kind of morbid but speaking of hank pym you know we got to see the death of five Avengers. So I, I ponder the question, and I ask this just in case any murderous dads wearing some yellow jackets are, are listening to this podcast. I need to know, which one of the five deaths was your favorite? 
I think we're all probably going to say the same <laughs> one. The Hulk was pretty cool, right? But oh I think it's gosh. also like the science of what he did. Do you know what I mean? Like he used a, a pim like enlarger on his yeah. heart, on the Hulk's heart while he was inside of him. Like, and that obviously being like the root of, I guess, where his uh, anger would come from, right? It would just become so large that he would just blow up. Like, especially for someone in the MCU that they've said like, can't die. He's put a gun in his mouth and tried to blow his head off. And right. You know, it didn't, well, kill they him, right? certainly hammered that home in that episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry. Right? And I ex- can't die. <laughs> yes. Well, what was in the coffin at the end? Like what was, what was uh, what maybe they... some collected dust? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goopy green bits of him. Yeah, they're just like, what I really liked was uh, Hawkeye being framed in the uh, murder of Thor because uh, that also calls back to another moment where he, in the comics, he kills Bruce Banner. So it was a very similar thing, like almost recollection where like he had to pull the shot because he had to, and then we realized that it was actually framed. So I thought it was a really unique, unique way of calling back to that very pivotal comic moment while adding to this new story. Cool. Totally interesting. I'm gonna have to go with uh, Hawkeye's death, if only because this is where I figured it out, or at least I mean I thought I figured it out, but as soon as in that you know. In breachable room, Clint was killed. I was like, oh, it's Ant-Man. Now, why would it be Ant-Man? But it's got to be Ant-Man. And so it did still throw me for a bit of a twist at the end, but... Were you expecting Scott Lang to be the character? Or um, did you think Hank Pym? No, no, I thought it was going to be Scott Lang. Like, I just thought yeah. Ant-Man. I didn't even think of Hank Pym, you know what yeah, I mean? Okay, yeah. And I don't look at the credits at the beginning of the episode because I don't want to know who's well, in no, the episode Well, no, they didn't put Michael personally. Douglas's name there. I, they they, didn't, they okay. did. He yeah, was yeah. one of the ones they didn't because I know yeah. they put a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think for myself, um, yeah, I love the the Hulk one. Um, I think the the actual th- uh, Thor dying, I think, was kind of almost poetic in the way that mm-hmm. they did it with the the lightning strike coming down. Because I mean, that lightning strike is meant to empower, empower the god yeah. of thunder, yeah. uh, and so to see it kind of happen right at the moment as an arrow goes through him, um, I just I was kind of the only thing that kind of threw me off about that, though. I will say is an arrow killed Thor. Um, is Darcy, it because Darcy he's, is will it like justify a hu- Darcy, it. Yeah. go for it, please. So you got to think, and it, he basically just lost out almost all his powers, all his confidence yeah. in himself from being banished to Earth. So he is just as mortal as anyone else. Most mm. Asgardians are. So without that hammer reclaiming his true power of Thor, he is just a really jacked dude. So, wow. So yeah. had it been like even a few seconds later when he pick, when he could like hold on to it maybe? No, or because he would have he's had to still have not worthy. Up. Yeah, he would have had uh, to pick it up, which is later on in the movie when he calls it to himself. So right. He was he was moral very like very much so in that first Thor movie. And that's what I thought made that movie cool. And I thought it was very interesting to show how fragile he was in just a simple scene in this one. I think my biggest thing, though, that that bothers me about the murdering of all of the Avengers <laughs> is, is Thor is Thor situation. Like if we're to think of this as the, the week in, you know, Fury's life, when we, when this all went down, this is their first interaction with Thor. They don't know much about him, which means then he couldn't have been recruited to be part of the Avengers initiative because he wasn't, they, they didn't know about him. Um, so I think this kind of was a bit of a plot hole. Oh, that's a good at point. Least in the MCU, they established how the introduction of Thor really opened up the cosmic door uh, uh, for Earth's awareness of of the possibilities of of outside threats from Earth. So I'm sorry, I just got to jump in here because that that same thing. We know that the Avengers Initiative was planned in the main MCU. That actually happened. He had that file. It was yes. planned to recruit him. What I right. think he was basing that on is the fact that we know in the 40s, 
Red Skull went and tracked down a Tesseract using Norse mythology. So if that has to be true, Howard Stark knowing that must, forming S.H.I.E.L.D. being like, we can't rule anything out. Gods exist. So as long, since S.H.I.E.L.D.'s foundation, they've operated under the assumption that gods are real. And, you know, Fury being the guy that he is, maybe saw or read stories about Thor and realized he's the hero we need if he's the hero of Asgardian but that context, that context in the MCU hasn't hasn't been established? That has to be the, like, the case. Like, Fury knew in the MCU as well. And I can only justify that as being S.H.I.E.L.D. operating under the fact that gods are real. I don't know. I just feel like in the MCU, in the MCU, in the movies that we watched, they had established Fury learns about Thor from the events of Thor and becomes prepared and is aware of bigger things. Even at that point, he's not even wanting to recruit him. It isn't until he shows up that he's actually part of the recruitment. Everyone else is earthbound. They, they were the ones that he was recruiting, right? So it just it's a weird sort of plot thing uh, that, that I think, to the point of what Kevin and, and Nate were pointing out, narratively they could have just explained a little bit more a quick how 15, he got lucky quick 15 <laughs> yeah. seconds of exposition for us noobs because like he got lucky like, there when he killed <laughs> thor right so yeah yes. i agree i agree 100 percent. before we move on to just talking about these deaths i wanted to talk about the setup for black widow's death was awesome because when she looks behind her down the hallway at the library can you hear the little wings fl- fluttering right. by like, yeah, yeah. like like kevin said like after i I clued in as soon as it was the Hulk exploding, basically, because for some reason getting bigger made me think of Ant-Man or yeah, Giant of course, Man in this yeah. case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that just hearing those wings coming down, it's like, oh, I, am I right? Am I on the right track with this? Are those ants coming to get her or something like that? So I thought it was a really cool setup or like, again, call back to those, those movie cues where we hear the ants before we see them type thing. Um, I did want to know, you know, last week we saw Uatu, uh, the Watcher, show up. Uh, he's the, you know, for those who don't know who Uatu is, he's the guy that, at the beginning of the show. Um, and uh, we see him show up uh, above the fields of Wakanda witnessing the abduction of T'Challa. And this week, um, I think we saw him again. So, Kevin, I have you on Watcher Watch this week. Uh, where did that big cosmic boy show up? Well, I mean, this was... The most glaring appearance we've gotten so far, and it's when Coulson is, I guess, driving towards the uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. compound, and the whole scene, I mean, there's just this weird, abrupt music change to an odd choice of music as you see this car going across the landscape, and it fits so perfectly because it really was jarring for the watcher to just be like, boom, smack there watching, and I think, I mean, what's the deal here? Is it because... Things are so much different than he's accustomed to seeing them go in this story. I don't. You he's know, even more interested. You know, he's like, you know, this is almost getting out of hand. Maybe he's interacting, right? Like, I think Darcy, you said it. Like, he is known to say, like, oh, I don't want to get involved, but he's going to get involved, and maybe <laughs> that's why he was seeing him, right? Like, mm-hmm. with, you know, more, more, you know, in the landscape and you know, watching, right? So. Uh, there was also a second instance of seeing him in this episode. Yeah, another big pivotal two. moment yeah. where it's when Fury, uh, or I guess Loki in Fury's disguise, uh, approaches Hank's or Hope's uh, gravestone. And that's where Hank, you know, is the big reveal. Right. He's and so you the see bridge, the watcher yeah. right there in the clouds, basically. Yeah, and yeah. again, I, yeah, in the, again, I'm saying the thing that Kevin hates, but I'm going to stand by it because that's where they're getting all these stories from. Uh, in the comics, he, like I said, he is known for breaking that one rule in the most roundabout way ever because he won't yeah. directly step down and be like put his hands between people like no don't fight he more is like the guy to be like oh you know this guy over here
here kind of nudges him in the right direction to make the right you know connections yeah. to then go forth and fight the bad guy type thing. So I think his appearance becoming again more prominent in this episode is maybe as we see darker timelines, we see him start to lose his resolve in just watching. Or do you think he might be a little bit more uh, hands-on than we expected? Because, I mean, maybe Uatu was involved and it wasn't luck. Seeing the Watcher more in in the landscape and and peering down, I think that is the indication that he is, you know, kind of getting his hands in it, right? Yes, I don't think he's... He's not one to guide towards death. He's... That's not in his character. So I don't think he's helping Hank Pym at all, like okay. Nate was saying there. Okay. Thank uh, goodness. He's, I like he's him. always he's <laughs> on the team of good guys and always wants to see the good guys win. That's why I think he was so again, so present in this one because he was not used to seeing the story go this way. What if he's just like, Okay, I've watched this timeline, this part of the timeline go down millions of different ways. I'm used to the finish, and then all of a sudden one of the Avengers gets popped and he's like Oh, interesting. Like, he's just getting a front row seat to watch this because this one is compelling. He wants to know who done it just like the rest of us. Yeah, I hope he's eating, like, some cosmic popcorn in the next episode. He's the new popcorn meme, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, okay, as far as the Watcher is concerned, then, we will need to uh, have someone on Watcher Watch each week, uh, and we'll see if maybe we can keep that a running segment. I hope he keeps showing up. I hope we get him even interacting with these characters at some point. I think that would be really cool if to it see. Happens, I think we're going to see it. Yeah, I think we're going to see it. Maybe totally. Yeah. I I think that uh, I mean the opening, like his opening spiel at the beginning of this episode was almost very relevant to way that how it ended. Is like that's how the Earth's Mightiest Heroes heroes were formed, or like the group came together. Or at least that's happened. How it happened that way. So, like, what if this is the beginning of him starting to realize all these stories might be able to be pieced together to, you know, form some sort of, you know, heroic team? Because we have seen that splash shot of uh, the Battle of New York kind of reimagined with some of these characters in these episodes. So, uh, I'm wondering if so, this is the the thing that makes him start thinking about interacting more. That that is that is that is a compelling thought, especially because he is our guide. He is the one that's taking us across these stories. Um, so maybe what is what is happening is we're seeing the characters that he is going to start to, as you described, interact with and create his own little pocket something that is very Uatu style. We get the Uatu cinematic universe, the UCU. Anyways, uh, <laughs> as we're wrapping up our discussion on the episode, let's talk about the end of this episode. A few things to mention. Number one, uh, five of Earth's mightiest heroes are dead. Number two, Loki is president or I guess like ruler of like the Earth. Uh, and number three, Nick Fury is standing with two captains, with Steve Frozen in ice and Captain Marvel right behind him. So I want to know, um, you know, what could this all mean for this universe? Uh, and what if we got to come back to this universe? Uh, well, I obviously think that Captain Marvel appearing, we've seen how effective she is against, you know, army-sized uh, alien races. So I feel like she can easily clean up you know, the Loki problem going on on this planet and Cap <laughs> nice. being there beside her only only uh, further that goal. So I can totally see if we come back to it and go to a sequel route with this story, it'll definitely be the story of how the two Caps work together to form a new team. Because again, we know in the MCU there are, are all these other, you know, superpowered individu- individuals just waiting to be found uh, by either the Watcher or S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that. So... I wouldn't be surprised if we see like another formation of the Avengers if we come back to the story. Yeah, we see a different Avengers. Maybe that's why we saw Whoa. the deaths. 
Loki's not the threat here. I mean, he didn't even see that malevolent as a leader. I mean, he, he's got the control he's always wanted, but I don't think he came off as that evil, right? Mm. He was, it's not like he had them on their knees, like a, mm -hmm. in the Avengers movie where he was b ma basically making everybody worship and grovel at his feet. But I think what's going to happen is Thanos is going to see that Earth is ripe for the taking without any protection. So maybe he doesn't need Loki to get him that Infinity Stone. He'll do it himself and it's going to be a team up of the Asgardians and the humans to maybe fight a threat like Thanos. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And, and I... It is interesting to also think of, like, are they all different universes? Are some of them the same? Like, as we go through, you know, obviously we want to see these universes again, but is it possible that, like, some of these things could be happening in the same universe? I mean, based on what the Watcher is saying, he's always saying one small change can affect the entire thing. So I feel like these are our separate universes, especially mm, given the fact okay. that over the three episodes we've seen, we've seen technically three different shields. If you're looking at, like, Captain Carter's, the one that uh, the collector had collected, and then the one that's still in ice down here. So these are clearly three separate timelines. Yeah, I think though that they're going to go different with all of them. I I, I don't I don't think that it really says to to try to tie all of them together. I think that it makes sense if they're so far distant, but we pop in and out of like different ones, right? And then we learn what things might be connected and what might not be connected. Yeah, I don't want two them connected. Yeah, I want to see Captain Marvel and Captain America as like the leader of a, of a new Avengers. That like would be Cap and Cap. Let's oh, go! Yeah. I want to see continuations of these stories, That's, but yeah, I don't yeah. want them to be connected at all. Yeah, really think sell that this is, multiverse idea. But Kevin, I do think that is how Uatu is going to play a bigger role in this story. I think he mm -hmm. is going to start to say, "I want some action figures from here. I want some action figures from here, and let's put them in the toy box." But that means he's mixing different timelines. That's not right. that all these stories are taking place on one that's on what one. i don't want right. them to yeah, do exactly. yeah. i get it while we're talking about loki you know just announcing his rule over the earth i just thought about his entrance into the un there was very reminiscent of wakanda's emergence into the the, the global scene basically like that like that one 100%. scene right there i was like i thought it was a very odd choice to take you know these avengers movies and then make that rain or throw away to wakanda which we haven't seen or hadn't seen yet at that point in this timeline so i thought it was a very unique cinematic cue almost yeah it, it also signifies very much so like a conquering like like kevin was saying like they're not he's not malevolent like he doesn't have the chitari he doesn't have an army of like ruth you know driven by the ruthless thanos to do his bidding instead you know he has i mean he's got the asgardian yeah, army yeah and, and he has the asgardians but these are his people Right. Remember the Loki that we would have seen in the Avengers feels very distant and lost being an Asgardian. He doesn't feel like he actually is. But I think that here he's he's accepting of it. And it's more of a balance because of the death of Thor. Look what kind of character came out of Loki. If he's the same Loki as that we saw in like the first Thor movie, I think that he's probably just pretty happy that Thor is dead because now that means he's king. So exactly. like he's yeah. probably upset to a certain extent, but he wanted to rule since the day he was born, yeah. basically. So now that that's going to be a sure thing, I think he's just like, I'll do this like with the Asgardians on my side because I can. They they have to listen to me. I'm now their prince. And yeah, only if, any, prince. if anything, this is like the best week for him because not only has he taken over, you know, the, the mantle of king, yeah. but now he's also taken over Midgard and he's, you know, all the Avengers are dead. It's just so funny to see, like, as soon as there's no Avengers, Loki just strolls right yeah, in and it, becomes that's ruler. that's exactly it. So fun. Basically, in, in the MCU, this was an amazing week for Nick right? Fury that led to uh, him solidifying his team and the inevitable failure of Loki. But here, you know, we have the flip. It's 
kind of impacting both characters really, cool. really interestingly. And you guys do really bring up a good point that no matter what happens, Loki always finds his way here with the intention of doing, <laughs> you know, something bad. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, again, I can't, we can't talk about Loki all this time without having that one, again, blatant kind of Mephisto watch thing throw away where Fury says, deal with the devil. And it's like, again, we're getting the devil re- like relation to him. Marvel just loves after the devil. Hot off the heels of Loki where they refer to him as the devil with just a, a simple stained glass window and stuff like that. They just love, you know, potentially having a big bad devil out there. So Jeez. can't get away from it, it seems. <laughs> I want them to get, let's get the bad devil and let's get that good devil. Daredevil, where are you? Get into that MCU. Uh, But before we kind of wrap up, I want to know your overall thoughts and final score, which for this episode, uh, I think appropriately, we'll be rating on a scale of one to five dead Avengers. Darcy, we're going to start with yourself. Well, I feel like it's probably pretty obvious where I'm going to be going with this one. I It's my favorite episode of the three so far. I can't wait to see where it goes. Like, if they've got done this, like, they've killed the Avengers, what else are, and what other risks are they going to take in telling these stories? And I can't right. wait to see what they uh, what those are. Uh, and again, the pacing I loved, all the callbacks to those movie moments that are big and then just completely flipping them on their head where we see that people die regularly. I just thought that was great, unique. I yeah five out of five dead Avengers here I, I'll kill them all please thank you awesome okay wow five out of five <laughs> jeez you're giving Fucking out a five out of this. five it's only the third episode Darcy come on oh, okay. you did it I, I <laughs> last week it was your so. five out of five <laughs> <laughs> well I'm happy I hope we all get a five out of five out of this series uh, Kevin let's move to you uh, yeah I really really enjoyed this episode as well it's probably my my favorite of the bunch. Uh, and again, because I just thought they did such a great job with sort of spinning this story into a, a whodunit. And like last week was fun and it was good and it was very Ocean's Eleven. Like I'm supp- surprised they didn't go into split screens as they were explaining their <laughs> right. plan and everything. Yeah. Um, Gamora and and uh, but uh, I just thought this was really really compelling. I would have liked a few more minutes to let a few moments and events breathe because. It was like, wow, watching the Avengers get slaughtered in the span of 15 minutes was pretty intense. And looking around, you see like open mouths like, wow, you know, and so just a (laughs) bit of time. Um, And I did, well, a few jokes really landed for me. I thought a bit of the writing felt a bit forced and it was like, we get it. You like his hair. You don't need to say that joke eight times in the episode. So that was a bit clunky and it was almost as a means to soften the blow of losing the Avengers, whereas I would have preferred really go in hard at, at what we're witnessing instead of trying to lighten it up. That's my only complaint, though. Uh, loving where the show's going. Like Darcy says, where could they possibly go next to elevate the stakes even further? What That's else? really exciting. <laughs> but yeah, there we go. Uh, but I'm going with a solid 4.4 out of 5 dead Avengers. Oh, so there's like, what, like a fourth of Hulk sitting somewhere? Yeah, they could only find so much of them, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Justin, how about yourself? Yeah, this episode was good. It it was daring. Uh, You know, it followed the theme of kind of taking what we know to be in the MCU as something strong, like Thanos, like the Infinity Stones, and turning it upside down. So in this case, we're, we're looking at the Avengers and their inevitable demise. So what if the Avengers are all dead or were all murdered? And, and, I, and I liked how this was connected to a moment in the MCU rather than a specific cinematic story that we've, that we've seen. You know, this is affecting multiple characters. We see how it affects Nick Fury. We see how it affected Hank Pym. We see how it affects Loki. And really changing the course of the events that uh, would have happened from our traditional MCU timeline. The animation was was absolutely great. The 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 visuals were fantastic. 
you know, I will never forget Hulk popping like a zit. That was that was intense. Um, but with that, this isn't a perfect episode. As I mentioned before, that plot hole with Thor, I just don't see how that was meant to work, especially with how the events went down in the MCU. You know, Thor was a big introduction for S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s awareness, um, and I just don't know if that makes sense. So I'm going to give this episode a 3.7 out of 5 Dead Adventures. So, wow. I'm just going to jump in here one more time to try and to justify that Thor scene. Because, okay, even if that Thor wasn't on the file or anything like that, if he's following Nick Fury to try and stop him from doing these stuff, he's listening to all his communications. So as soon as he gets word of this mystical hammer appearing in the middle of the New Mexico desert, he's going to be like, hmm, maybe I will head that way. He's probably tailing, he's probably latching a ride on Fury as far as we know, because he seems to always be where that's happening until Culver University. But then he's wasting his time. If he's like going around killing adventures, he's wasting his time. Like maybe there's a myth, mythical creature or being attached to this hammer that will just happen to show up while I'm waiting in the rain in the desert a day or two after this hammer falls. It is lucky timing. He just fluked into it. It's the one unexplained. I'm with Justin on this one. It's getting fiery here. It's getting Before fiery. we move on to Nate, just the last little point here. If this is all based off of the existing moments in the MCU, I don't know if they did a good enough, enough job of justifying you know how fury would have potentially recruited him uh or 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 even hinted at the idea because in the events of the mcu that's not how this all happened it was his introduction that led them to being a part hank penn says you would recruit him in a heartbeat so the fact that he just sure was in the right place at the right time and killed the guy i think that's all it okay. was he, he followed fury and someone showed up and he managed to kill him because again he saw the potential for someone to come back and you know be a hero in his sure. words Sure. I, I Again, I, I just feel like, like I get the idea that, yes, he could have been someone that Fury would have recruited 100% because he ends up recruiting him and, and attaching him to the Avengers. But I don't know. Just like Nate and, and uh, Kevin were saying, they could have spent a little bit more time tightening that up. Hence why I just don't think that this is a perfect episode. So um, I do want to just quickly shout out, uh, Darcy, because you just mentioned it. Uh, you would have, I think it's like you would have recruited him in a heartbeat. Fantastic yeah. writing. Great job, Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> um, the visuals and the lighting with this episode, I thought were fantastic. I think the outside of the coffee house when Nick Fury is contemplating calling Captain Marvel, I'm like, I want a painting of that. And we keep getting that throughout this series. And I just, I noticed that in this episode. I did enjoy this episode, uh, much like you guys, probably the most Twilight Zone-esque episode uh, ever. Because um, I am used to, with Twilight Zone, it's, I think the majority of their episodes usually end pretty dark. Um, getting to see Nick Fury as the protagonist of this episode was fun, and I thought the voice acting was comparable to episode one. Um, but where episode two, as I mentioned, took characters, flipped them on their heads, and stayed with them, this episode just moves a little too quick for me. The focus was really on the momentous week of the Avengers initi- initiative, which, you know, while I enjoyed what they, they did with it and, and kind of how they made it into this murder mystery... I would have liked a little more time with each character, the reactions to the deaths, and, of course, with Hank Pym. Uh, And the reveal with Hank Pym didn't hit for me as much because I think, again, it's just I'm not as 
up on the comics. Um, so, you know, it made sense to use someone that was practically invisible, but the reveal didn't blow me away. In fact, if it was Scott Lang, I probably would have been more shocked uh, and, and, and that would have stuck with me a little bit more. But again, I totally understand from a comic books fan uh, side of things of wanting to see this realized. So I think that's really cool. Such a dark concept, had so much fun with it and all the quips you would expect from Nick Fury, Phil Coulson and Natasha Romanoff throughout. I just loved it. I ate it all up. So I'm giving this episode a four out of five dead Avengers. They couldn't find any Hulk uh, in in my review here. Uh, but that's it for our third episode of Watch Club for Marvel's What If. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And also, um, you might ponder the question, what if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club? Well, for that question, I'm going to throw it over to our resident timekeeper, Justin. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. It sounded like the... Rod Sterling or something? (laughs) (laughs) I I like that. There you go. Well, it actually, it's kind of sounded like your narrator voice, but he was like, he's had a rough day or something. (laughs) He's a little tired. He's going to have to go home and have a smoke. (laughs) There you go. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering some of the latest and greatest content out uh, soon and and, and out now. And for instance, we have our spoiler-free review for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, which is in theaters September 3rd. Uh, and our spoiler-free review for Only Murders in the Building. Oh, and we also dropped our first trailer drop uh, episode with our thoughts on an immediate reaction to the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. And Darcy yeah. got to join us on that one as well. So stoked for those episodes. So go give those episodes a listen and a five-star review if you don't mind. Justin, Darcy, and Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And even though we do not, cannot and will not interfere. We are The Watchers. Watchers.